0: I'm excited to welcome our guest, Father Anthony Mesiha on our Coptic Orphans podcast, Cool Copts Doing Cool Things. I'm Nermeen Riyadh, and I'm the founder and executive director of Coptic Orphans. In our biweekly podcast, I'll be talking with the most interesting and influential people that we know in the Coptic and Egyptian circles. I'll also be bringing you up to speed on what Coptic Orphans is doing and how, by God's grace, we ensure that fatherless children are cared for, loved, and educated to reach their greatest potential. So I am thrilled to sit down today with Father Anthony. Amuna Anthony is the priest at St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church in Arlington, Virginia. He has been the leader of STSA. It's also famously known as STSA since its inception in 2012 and as the first Coptic priest ever of the Egyptian uh, of Egyptian descent born outside of Egypt uh, he is no stranger to breaking cultural barriers amuna thank you so much for joining us and we're so privileged to have you here on cool copts there's just so much to cover but start with tell me a little bit about yourself and how did uh, your journey go thus far
1: Sure. I mean, first, thank you for having me. Um, and thank you for that beautiful little intro about that little that piece of trivia. I always tell people, if you ever end up on Jeopardy and they ask you the question of who's the first Coptic priest born outside of Egypt of Egyptian descent, that's me. And I, it's something actually I didn't know, but I didn't know at the time, but it was something that Pope Shneed actually said during my ordination. And why I think that's relevant is because I grew up, as you said, I was born here in the States. I grew up in the church but i i will say that the church i was there in body but not really in spirit just kind of in there just kind of physically but i wasn't in the life of the church so i really feel like i grew up more connected to my american culture than anything else and then sometime around the college years god reached out and grabbed me and brought me closer to him and then it was not too long after that that i got married and was ordained as a priest and I served 10 years at St. Mark's Church, which is out in Fairfax, Virginia. And now, as you said, the past 10 years I've been serving, or nine years, some change, at STSA St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church.
0: And truly, what I what I always believe is that God was working in ways before, before I knew anything about what God was doing. And before priesthood, before any of that stuff, God was working pr- and preparing me for the position that I'm in now. That's really uh, amazing how you you see even before you understood, you know, you, you see yeah. now that God was working even before you understood where where he was taking you. So he took you really far, Abuna, and I'll tell you why I say that. I do a lot of traveling, and I've traveled all around the world. And let me tell you, Abuna, everywhere I go, when they find out I'm copped from D.C., oh, do you know Abuna Anthony? Do you know Abuna? How did you become such a rock star?
1: No, I don't know about rock star. I don't know about that. I mean, truthfully, when I was ordained as a priest, okay, there was no such thing as, you know, rock stars, celebrity or YouTube or any of that stuff. And I always like, I just feel like I showed up at the right time, at the right place in the sense of I was ordained as a priest when there was not as many people who were preaching in English and it's even not just English, but I, I always say it's like American culture because you can preach in the English language. Just like i can say a few words in arabic language but i don't have the arabic culture the same way someone who was raised there so there wasn't that many people doing that so i was you know serving and preaching and ministering as the only way i knew how
2: and you know people started recording me you know and recording
1: my sermons i still remember at the beginning the first few years of priesthood like now there's a camera in the back they push a button it's dreamed over here there's different angles then they used to give me this machine thing i don't know what it was (laughs) wires buttons and you know we have to wrap it around here and then i would push the button and start and then they would stop me like two minutes into my bible study and say no 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 it didn't start recording do it again or the batteries and i guess just people started recording people started sharing stuff and then from there I'm happy to see now. Now I'm not the only one who's doing it. Now there are many great priests who are preaching in English and serving and ministering um, in different cultures. So, which is great, makes me happy. But anything um, about me, I just I just happen to be there, right time, right place. I just showed up early to the game before there's a lot of people doing it. So don't <laughs> believe any of that rock star celebrity stuff. Well,
0: but I have to. I must confess, yeah, uh, Abuna. I remember distinctly a sermon that you gave before you were Abuna. And then I listened to your sermons after you're an Let me tell you, there's a huge difference between. And I remember listening to you and I go, wow, you know, he tries so hard. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Are
1: you saying you didn't like my sermon before? <laughs> I was scary, is no. that what you're I'm just
0: saying you, you give such great <laughs> sermons now.
1: <laughs> Which, I mean, that makes me happy that you say that because, truthfully, that's something when people tell me, you know, you have a gift in preaching, you have a gift. Of course, everything is a gift from God. So thank you, God, you know, all things thanks to God. But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, I I do put a lot of work into what I do not, you know, to be famous or anything like that, but because I feel like if we're going to, it's actually something I see in you too. And I know you're the exact same way, which is we're going to do something. We're going to do it the right way. So if we're going to serve, I may be limited in certain gifts, but I'm going to maximize whatever ability God has given me because ultimately it's for his glory I think he deserves the best of what
0: we have to offer. Oh, that's beautiful. So is how is that related to STSA itself? This is such a unique concept I think for the orthodox the Coptic Orthodox world. What what prompted you to to start such a church?
1: So when I when I first was ordained as a priest, as I said, I served at St. Mark's Church for 10 years and during the 10 years there, um, it was clear from early on that God had a unique mission for me, which was really, again, that American culture. And whether that was our youngsters who grew up
2: in this country and didn't, you know, couldn't relate necessarily to the Egyptian culture, or whether that was people
1: joining the church room from outside. And that was always kind of, you know, what I felt my, my gift was in that area and my, my passion. And we used to always joke myself and Father Beshoy, who was a senior priest, we would all say, one was for the Jews, one was for the Gentiles. Like he was St. Peter, I was St. Paul. And mm-hmm. We felt like that's kind of how God called me to serve. But we we discovered something. After 10 years of priesthood, I was going through the list of all the people that I had baptized as adults in those 10 years. And there was 30 of them. Like I had a, mm-hmm. a certificate for each one of them. And of the 30, I started to look through. And you wouldn't believe it, 22 out of the 30 had left the church. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I remember going through that. And the first one I'd be like, Oh, I remember that guy. What happened to him? Oh yeah. He left. Oh, this one. Oh, she was great. Oh, they're gone. And I would go through name after name. And truthfully, I was, I was going through it. Every single one of those people I felt I had a good relationship with, and I felt like they accepted the fate. They understood it. They weren't, they weren't doing something deceptive. Hmm. So at that point in time I'd ask myself a question. If I have a restaurant, and 22 out of 30 people don't like the food. Mm. Like if one doesn't like it, okay, they're at bad taste. Or two mm. don't like it, okay, they're, she was in a bad mood. Three, four, five, but a 22 out of 30. And then I have to look at myself in the mirror and say, well, maybe it's me. Mm. And that that's where STSA was born, which is the idea that I felt like we, at in, in most churches, we have a big front door. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's something we can work on to make sure that people can enter and everyone is accepted. But I felt like people were coming in the front and leaving out the back. Hmm. So when we started STSA, that was the whole concept was how we could present the faith in such a way that not just people accept it, but they want to stay in it the rest of their life. Hmm. That's actually why we chose the names of the saints. We have St. Timothy, who is an evangelist. He's the front door. He's the one who is our patron for bringing people in and preaching to the ends of the earth. But then St. Athanasius, he is the teacher. So he's the one who builds you up in the faith. So St. Timothy will bring you in, St. Athanasius will build you up, so hopefully that you never leave.
0: Hmm. So this is why you have the motto of bringing an ancient faith to a modern world. My question then, how is your track record now, Amuna?
1: So I, I, I'm I a numbers guy, okay, I used <laughs> to be a consultant and I used to do computer programming, so I like numbers, but I always hesitate to share
2: hmm. the number in terms of Sure. Maybe we baptized of because course. i think that the, the the success is more than that
1: of so course. without answering specifically in terms of numbers we've seen a much greater engagement of people who after they get baptized we've been very intentional about making sure they're still engaged that's and beautiful. that's through creating a community where it's evangelism is embedded inside the, the
2: dna of the community so we're always looking You know how we can invite people to the church and how we can keep people engaged in the church and we look we're constantly looking for ways that we can make sure that people don't fall off afterward so, without getting
1: into enough, yeah. this, thanks be
0: to God. Uh, the important thing, a lot more success. Exactly. That's the the most important thing is that people find the place where they're they're comfortable. So, not only are you a parish priest, but you're also an author. Now, I understand that you have a book, Whatever God. It's called Whatever God, and it comes highly recommended for those that haven't gotten a copy and haven't read it. It's everyone has been speaking so positively about it. But what prompted you to write this book?
1: truthfully, I mean, I didn't want to write the book. It was the last (laughs) thing I wanted to do. And it was the hardest thing I ever did. And I tell this to people all the time. When I'm giving a sermon, I have instantaneous feedback. I can read faces. I can adjust. At most, I have to wait another week, you know, to to correct whatever, you know, I I want to correct. When you're writing a book, you have to sit down, you spend eight hours a day writing, and you don't know if it's any good or not good. And then Mm. you spend the next day and the next day and the next day.
0: And in the end, you don't have any idea what, So for me, this was actually very challenging, and I only did it out of truly out of obedience to God. God Mm. put it on my heart and gave me several messages of why He wanted me to do it. Mm. Um, So, as the title of the book is "Whatever God," the whole point is whatever God says, we do. So when He told me to write it, I said yes, sir, and that's what came out. How long did it take you to write it? I'm just out of curiosity people ask me that. And the answer is
1: somewhere between four months and four years. Wow. The, re- the reason why I say that is because the way I, I did it is every year during the month of July, I would take a break from preaching and others would preach in the church and I would you know still pray the liturgy and take confessions on Saturday and Sunday. But Monday through Friday I was, you know, off and what I was doing was writing the book. And so I spent four full months, Over the course of four years, okay, four Julys were dedicated entirely
0: to it, and then a lot of stuff in between, but it wasn't full-time in between, Mm. Okay, especially like the editing. Really, the, the first three years, it was focused on the content, and then the last year, year and a half, that's where it was focused on the editing. That's amazing determination and resilience, Abuna, to to get through something like that and to keep at it until you finally finish it. So kudos to you, Abuna. I, I always hold people in extremely high regard for those that are able to sit down and write. It's not an easy task at all. So let's talk about the growing of the Orthodox faith. How do you see the faith, the Orthodox faith itself, growing and keeping up with not only new people to the faith, but also future generations of the Copts and the Orthodox here? So this is, if you, if you cut me open and you want to know what my heart beats for, it's exactly this topic. Because I,
1: in my heart, I believe that the Orthodox Christian faith is, is the answer to every problem in the world. And mm-hmm. I won't go into that right now, but I truly believe that with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we have the answer that everyone is looking for, but it's just a matter of are we going to be able to present it to people in a way that they can understand? And we may speak the same language, English, okay, but we need to make sure we're speaking the same language in terms of culture. all right? And that is a constantly evolving task, is to make sure that we are presenting the eternal truths of God, which never change, but we are presenting them in a way that people can understand and apply them to life in 21st century. Here I am in America, but wherever you're listening to this, whatever applies to your context. And that was always the struggle. That was the struggle of the early church, is how to take a Jewish faith, okay, which was born and raised and grew up and, and was developed in a Jewish world, in a Jewish mindset, and how to then take that to Egypt and apply it in a different mindset. How to take it to Italy, okay, in Rome. And I take it to, to Antioch and to all the different ends of the earth. I don't think this is like an easy answer of like it's one, two, three, and four. But I, I think this is a discussion that I'm happy to see we
0: are having and church leaders are having and church congregations are having because I think it's an ongoing discussion of how we can take the beauty of our ancient faith and present it in a way that people in the world today, modern world, can understand and engage in. That's so beautifully put, Abuna. You know, the the concept of presenting the eternal truth of God. Well put, really well put. Thank
1: you. Thank you. And, I, and I'm, I'm happy to see people like yourself who are um, engaging in this in maybe a different angle than I am. So maybe with that, maybe now I can flip the script and we can talk a little bit about you because I'm interested to hear more about you. Absolutely. So, maybe you could start nermeen by telling um me and telling all those who are listening about some of the work that you're doing and how you partner uh with churches in egypt
0: Specifically at Coptic Ornaments. Uh, absolutely, you know. Uh, to begin with, everything that we do is is inspired by uh, the teachings of the Church, and so you know, you, growing up in the Church, you you know, you're constantly hearing the hymns and giving to the poor and et cetera. And so I think in it's uh, embedded in all of us. And I really thank the Orthodox Church for for putting that seed in in all our hearts. And then the work, the way that we work in Egypt is there's no way that we can reach these thousands and thousands of children Without the the access given to us by the different dioceses in in Egypt, we we work with over sixty dioceses that covers over seven hundred towns and villages uh, throughout all of Egypt, and it's the the bishops of these areas that open the door and allow us access to the to the children. Not only do they allow us access, but also they nominate for us the volunteer reps. So they come high. I mean these volunteer reps are the the hands and feet of Coptic orphans, reaching reaching the children. And again, it's the the bishops who know them personally and who nominate them to do uh, you know this really great work. And so, w- without the church, and and I'm just I'm so proud of how. The, the Copts in Egypt have preserved the faith over 2,000 years and then so that we are able to bring it to outside of Egypt and, you know, almost like handing the baton to you, Abuna, and saying, okay, run with it. I'm just so, so thankful for all of
2: that.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned something there that everything you do is, you know, inspired by the church. and Truthfully, it is the work of the church. And and the church is not just preaching and, and liturgy. And the church is the, the hands and the feet and the body of Christ. So I, I see what you're doing as the church itself. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm in, so I'm in charge of what the church is doing on Sunday morning. But then maybe you take uh, Monday, and then someone else uh, is Tuesday and Wednesday because that, that has to be the church. Has to be much more than a Sunday. So
0: I, I love that. I love that. You know, you're working with bishops and dioceses. And I think you've also worked with with His Holiness, Pope Tawadros, as well. Is that correct? Oh, isn't it lovely that you've been working with a bishop 15 years, and then he becomes pope, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I mean, when I saw the name on that piece of paper, you know, on the uh, altar lottery, and his name came up, I was like, oh, our friend. (laughs) Um, Yes, actually, Pope Tawadros has been an incredible supporter. He's been with us in every single one of our programs, the Not Alone program. There's children that he was in charge of, surf to learn, valuable girl even. He was there alongside with us the the whole way. And I tell you a cute story, in a meeting with uh, His Holiness, we had asked him to come and talk. And and we had gathered all of 550 volunteer reps for a meeting. And this was in 2013. And so I was telling him, Your Holiness, the the reps are yani like they're Superman, you know, or something. And the reps in the Sa'id are very Gedayan. and then and so he chuckles and he goes, "I am learning new phrases, <laughs> very Gedayan. So everybody kind of uh, kept that um, and remembered that. Abuna, I, in, I understand that you have a funny story with is it with Pope Shenouda? I understand.
1: Every time I meet a pope, it's a funny story because I'm <laughs> I'm not the most you know I didn't grow up in the culture. I know I come across as very confident, but when I'm around bishops. And Pope especially, I freeze. And I remember when when I met his Holiness Pope Schnuder just before his passing, um it was December 11, thousand and eleven. That's when we were asking him permission for STSA to start the church. And he gave his permission, full blessing. But it was always through Bishop David. So Bishop David would talk and I would just kind of stand there. But then finally, you know, as I was leaving, you know, he said something to me, you know, like Something like, you know, I'm trusting you to do this. It was like something very nice. You know, he was giving me a vote of confidence. So I said, OK, you know what? I'm going to open my heart to him. And I said, you know, your holiness, I appreciate, you know, you're trusting me and, you know, this great responsibility. and I won't let you down. And I've always felt this connection with your holiness because I was ordained on the day that your Holiness's 30th anniversary is, as a patriarch. And you were so kind to me in the monastery. And I poured out my heart to him and no joke i mean he looked at he looked at the bishop he looked at me he looked back at the bishop and he said he said in arabic he said what
2: did he say (laughs) (laughs) he's like and i was like oh and i just like poured out my heart and it was just one of those
1: moments i just and then i just crossed myself and i just did a matanya and i just said thank you thank you I, i am not good in front of those in front of Bishops
2: and popes and things like that. I'm 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 much more comfortable <laughs> with the folks on the ground here. As
1: uh, th- <laughs> that's
0: that's classic Avuda. Uh, <laughs> this is something you have to tell your great grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, but you know, I also had an experience with Pope Tawadros, where when I first met him, when I was when we had started STSA, I had a meeting with him, and I was talking to him about bringing the Coptic Orthodox faith to people outside the Coptic Orthodox community. Hmm. And he asked me, he said, how do we do that? Like, what's the key to success? So, again, because I'm awkward in front of popes and bishops, my answer to him was, your blessing, Satan, and your prayers, Satan. And I gave him, like, one of those funny answers, the
2: kiss of answers. And then he asked me, he said, no, very frankly, like, tell me your honest opinion. And he was very interested to learn. yes you know,
1: how we actually do that. So I love seeing that that's his vision. Yes. And I'll ask you, you know, how does Coptic orphans do that? How does yeah. Coptic orphans bring orthodoxy to people
0: who are outside of the Coptic Orthodox community? Yeah. So, you know, in the, uh, that that's a great question. I, I think in the, one of the things, as you know, in Egypt, so, for example, can you do that in Egypt? And why? Because there are rules uh, or social frameworks that prevent you from saying things. So then the question becomes, well, then how do you do it? And and I mean, Christ already gave us the answer. He, he told us we have to be salt and light to the earth, uh, salt to the earth and light to the world. And really what that means is that you have to really live your faith in such a way that The the light of Christ shines through you, and those that are around you cannot but help be affected by Christ. And I think in this, we see very much so in, in some of our community work, where we're working with the entire community. And we don't say anything, but we act and we behave in certain ways that after a while others begin to to kind of copy that uh, that behavior and and i think in the, this this is what christ asks of all of us in wherever that we are and i, I mean i remember one time thinking to myself, I was such a pain uh, to my bosses in my previous life. And I thought to myself, well, what an absolute disappointment I must be for God. And I did not, I was not a good ambassador for him. You know, I, I didn't represent my faith well. And I and I realized that that's powerful. And this is what we do in Egypt. We Actually, the Valuable Girl Project brings together Christians and Muslims in a, in a safe space so that they can, you know, be empowered and et cetera. But during that time, this is the time that we must be salt to the earth and, and present Christ in a way that he can work right through us and and reach the all the girls in this environment, Yanni. And you, you said it, that's exactly what Christ commanded us when he said that, you know, they should see our good works
1: and glorify our Father in heaven. So it's not just the preaching, but it's also the actions. And I'll tell you something, you know, this, I mean, I told this to you, but I'm, I'm a big fan of the work Coptic Orphans is doing. I've always been a fan. I admire you the way you have persevered through all kinds of obstacles and done this. And I always think about it for my church, I think all churches, but I think about my church and say, if today our church disappeared, our church picked up and moved to the neighboring town or neighboring state or whatever it is, would anyone care? Mm -hmm. Would anyone, first of all, notice, and then would they be upset? And my hope and prayer is that they would be upset because they would be missing something, Like we bring something to the table. Mm -hmm. And I think Coptic orphans is the perfect example of that, is whether Christian or Muslim or or any kind of faith, if Coptic orphans stopped what they were doing today, then I think people would, first of all, for sure, take notice. And Mm -hmm. people would say, we just lost, we missed out on something.
2: God
1: bless
0: you guys. You guys are great uh, Abuna. Abuna, well, it's been such a delight to have you on Cool Cops. And I'm really inspired by all that you're doing and your perseverance for the Coptic faith and the Coptic diaspora here. And I can't wait to see how your church continues to grow and fortify the community around you. So any last thoughts to our listeners on how each of us can share our beautiful faith and love of Jesus Christ to others? I mean, if I had to say one thing I would say is is that God has a particular
1: unique mission for you and for me and for every one of us. And just because it doesn't look the same doesn't mean it's not valuable. What Nermeen is doing, what you're doing, Nermeen, is different than what I'm doing, what I'm doing is different than what you're doing. But we're both working for the same king and the same Lord and the same kingdom. So you do what you do. I'll do what I do. Everyone does what what they
2: do and God will use it all for his glory.
0: That's beautiful, Abuna. Abuna, thank you so much. I I hope everyone that's listening also feels as much uh, blessed and inspired as I do. And thank you, Abuna, for your love and prayers and your support for the children of Egypt. So, on behalf of uh, all of us here at the Coptic Orphans Team, uh, thank you for listening. This is Nurmin Riyadh, and I look forward to seeing you on the next edition of Cool Copts Doing Cool Things.